Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today is June 27th, 2019. 73 days to kick off. Woohoo! Woohoo! Woo-hoo. Still a slow news week. Yeah, not much coming out of one Buccaneer place. It's been 20 days since any news. 20 days? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> numbers at your butt. I know. It's a drought. I have a couple of fact checks. Did you do any? Nope. Did you even listen to the podcast? Nope. <laughs> fact check. The bowler superhero played by Janine Garofalo was a movie called Mystery Men, Mystery released Man. in 1999. That's right. Gosh, that was 99? I thought it was earlier than so that. So 20 years ago. Yeesh. 99. Wow. I thought it was, I would have said early 90s. But yeah, Mystery Men. Pretty funny movie, I thought. But yeah, I've got that bowling ball with the skull in it. Just like Janine. Yep. Fact check. Devin White is from Spring Hill, Louisiana. It has a population of 5,269. It is 6.3 square miles. And it came about because of the timber industry. They actually have a lumberjack festival every year. Wow. So it likely did have one stoplight when he got <laughs> stopped by that cop twice in the same day. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. <laughs> I work all night and I sleep all day. You want to keep going? I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how long that song is. It's pretty long. Oh, Monty Python skit. Do you know the whole thing? Pretty much. We got nothing else going on. <laughs> Fact check. No one is wearing number 20. Ralph said Dayom Buchanan was wearing number 20. He is wearing number 23. No one's wearing 20. Has anybody ever worn 20 since Rondé Barber retired? Sounds like a good follow-up. I'm checking right now. No, apparently nobody has worn Rondé Barber's jersey number 20 since 2012 when he retired. Although they... To have Dayon Buchanan listed as wearing number 20. That's on Pro Football Reference. But the Buccaneers have him listed as number 23. On their roster. We'll keep an eye on that. Yeah. He wore 23. Actually, they've got him listed on Pro Football Reference. They have him listed as number 20 and number 23. So he gets two numbers? He wore- I guess he's 20 as a safety and 23 <laughs> as a linebacker. <laughs> Is that how it works? He's going to switch his jersey if he drops back in. The- right. Maybe they just have a three that sticks over the 20. He wore number 36 at the Cardinals in 2014 and then wore number 20 at the Cardinals from 2015 to 2018. So I guess he came here and he was like, I want to wear number 20. And they were like, okay. And then they went, no, never mind. You're going to be 23. You can't wear Rondé Barber's number. No, Sorry. Eventually, I want the Buccaneers to have it so that, like, all the numbers are retired except, like, six. You can't have duplicates, right? We'll do decimals. Decimals. <laughs> 99.7. Sound like a radio station. Jameis Winston hosted his Dream Forever Week in his hometown. Yeah, it was like 500 kids there or something. Yeah, he had a surprise shopping spree for at-risk children, $5,000 Donated to support education initiatives, a football camp, a fishing trip, and more. So that seemed like a fun off-season event for the kids. Yeah. That's all you got? That's all, that's all I got. Uh, uh, yeah, real fun. <laughs> Do you remember that time he got in trouble, Winston did, for talking to those kids and he told the girls to be quiet or something like that? Yeah. that's a, he, just, he just does dumb stuff. He just doesn't have great... Decision-making skills. <laughs> Which translates to the field real well. I imagine in everyday conversation, he probably sticks his foot in his mouth a lot. He's too busy eating W's. <laughs> I know. Ain't got, ain't got room for a foot. So, 
we started talking about this in the last podcast and then had second thoughts about whether to talk about it or not. So we decided that we should. <laughs> if you're not on Twitter and or you live under a rock and have for the past week on Twitter, some of the Bucks media people got into it over the weekend. Tom Bassinger is still butthurt about the whole McCoy thing. And Tom Bassinger is the quote sports data analyst unquote yeah for the tampa bay times and whatever that means right i don't know what he does he makes up numbers a lot of times as we discussed last time but he because he's still butthurt about the mccoy thing he likes to draw a false equivalency between mccoy and mike allstott well if you say mike or mccoy's not good mike allstott really wasn't that good so that's what he that's said. What Thomas Passenger's. That was Tom Passenger's position. Buccaneers Twitter did not take too kindly to that because Allstott doesn't show up on the stat sheet, but he had an impact on the field. Yeah, and it was a pretty blatant attempt from Thomas Passenger to go after a beloved Buccaneer icon because, as Molly said, he was butthurt. He's still butthurt about the Gerald McCoy release. And he won't engage people. Like, if. You disagree with him and you bring up valid points, he blocks you. It's people that bring up points that aren't that strong or their grammar isn't right. He picks on those people. Yeah, he's very, 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 very condescending and has an attitude like he's the only one that knows things. I We didn't do the podcast Sunday. A large part of it was because, just like with the Justin Powalinski scandal when he got arrested for the child porn stuff. It bothered me and Molly because it's a reflection on the the Buccaneers. And this stuff with Thomas Bassinger kind of bothered me quite a bit this weekend. And I was so kind of upset about it that I didn't want to get on the microphone because I was kind of worried about what I would say. Well, Wednesday, we did an hour and a half long podcast, which was basically me ranting about Thomas Bassinger and the media and propaganda, all kinds of stuff. And then after we did the podcast, Molly was like, I don't know. That's just, it was a little harsh. So I just cut it all out. That's why the last podcast was only, what, 17 minutes or something. It was a short one. It was originally like an hour and a half long. So I'm not going to get into it too much, but uh, Thomas Bassinger, he's out for blood with the Buccaneers organization. I don't know. Has he always been that negative? I don't know. Probably. He works for the Tampa Bay Times. Yeah. In his little Twitter rant, he basically accused Tampa Bay fans of being racist, saying that's why they like Mike Allstott, and they revere Mike Allstott because he's white. Same thing with Brad Johnson. This is this is what Tom Bassinger is saying. He's written articles crapping on Jameis Winston. He's written articles crapping on ownership. And now, today, he's joining this whole Manchester United Glazers out hashtag thing. If you're not familiar, uh, the Glazers own a controlling interest in Manchester United, which is a soccer club in the United Kingdom. They haven't done so well since uh, I think about 2013, somewhere around there was the last time they've won the championship. And they're they're a premier soccer league, soccer team. They you know are normally up there in the rankings, and they've fallen on hard times. A lot of it has to do with their what we would call a coach. Retired, all that good stuff. But anyhow, part of the fan base is mad at the Glazers, saying they're not spending enough money, that they're not, 
renovating the stadium, that they're uh, they're all in it for the money, that they've taken out all these loans, and blah, 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 blah. So they started this hashtag thing that says, hashtag Glazers out. And it was the number one trending hashtag last week for a couple of hours. And then they redid it today or yesterday, and it got up to number one again briefly. Well, anyhow, Thomas Bassinger wrote an article in the Tampa Bay Times about it, basically crapping all over the Glazers and propping up these Glazers out people, which that's always going to happen. You're always going to have, anytime somebody's in a position of leadership, you're always going to have a large contingent of people that don't like them. That's how it always is. You know, owners, there's plenty of Cowboys fans I've talked to that can't stand Jerry Jones. I think he needs to sell. You know, if you look at every president America's had in the history of America, there's always been a large contingent of people that didn't like the president. They want him out. It's just how it works. There's always going to be people that disagree. I don't like that want to run people out. Well, Thomas Bassinger is so butthurt over Gerald McCoy things that he's been attacking the organization. And we told you this was going to happen. And he wrote this article about the Glazers out hashtag Manchester United fans wanting to get rid of the Glazers fan. Now, not all Manchester United fans are wanting the Glazers run out of town. As a matter of fact, a lot of the other teams, soccer clubs are saying, Hey, We'll take the Glazers over our ownership because they're a lot better than our ownership. But, of course, Thomas Bassinger has to get into this. Now, this is he's supposed to be a sports data reporter or analyst or whatever. But why he's writing articles about this, don't know. I would assume it's because he doesn't like the Glazers. Now, he's not a Buccaneers fan. Molly pointed it out in the last podcast that, that we deleted. <laughs> that she believes she's heard that he's a Philadelphia Eagles fan. He might be. I know he's definitely not a Bucks fan. So we've got to be careful with these guys. They don't have our best interest in mind. We're Buccaneer fans. We want the team to be respectable, and we want them to win. These guys don't care about that. I think they would almost prefer that we didn't, so then they have something to write about. I believe you are correct. You are correct, sir. So anyhow, we had this long where I just went off on this rant, and afterwards we just thought it would be a good idea to not put that out there. Although I did have some valid points about his... Gerald McCoy issues, he was putting out screenshots of what he called signature plays from Gerald McCoy, and I was just sitting there refuting all of them. Apparently, Thomas Bassinger thinks that Gerald McCoy, JPP, Vinnie Curry, all forcing a quarterback out of a pocket means that's a signature play for Gerald McCoy. I don't know. It is kind of his signature. I mean... Other guys help him do the work or do the work for him, and then he takes the credit. Yes, that and that was what I brought up in the other podcast. To me, it was a perfect signature play for Jeremy McCoy because he's getting all the credit for that play when there was other guys that did as much, if not more, during that play, and they got no credit. We just got to be careful with these articles in the, the media, what their intentions are. Tom is now using the hashtag pay attention. Yes, hashtag pay attention. Which is hilarious to me because I'm like, people need to pay attention to what you're doing and what you're saying. And I would encourage everyone to do so. So when he puts out an article about how Jameis Winston's interception numbers are worse than they actually are, we need to consider why would he do that? What's his goal here? Why? What's the point of this? Is it just to crunch some numbers and... You know, report on the data? I don't think so. No, he's definitely biased. You can tell. That's my problem with him, I think, the most is that. Well, most of them. All of them except for 
Greg Allman. It's disingenuous, him in particular, because he likes to say, oh, I'm a numbers person. You can't argue with the numbers. It's the data. Stats don't lie. Well, there's lies, damn lies, and statistics. You can make them say whatever you want, which is what Tom Bassinger does many times. He uses them for his agenda. And that's my issue. It's dishonest. I agree. But I think you just need to watch. What are they doing? What are they saying? And watch how these things can pick up traction. Like, you'll see Tom Bassinger say it, and then two weeks later, you might see someone comment on something totally different, and it's what you saw Thomas Bassinger say. Mm-hmm. That's how that stuff spreads. Yes, the Glazers Out crew, the Manchester United fans that are pushing for this, I assume it's Manchester United fans. I mean, if you go back and you look at the history of how the Glazers took over majority ownership of the Manchester United. I mean, from a business perspective, it was genius. I mean, they did it incognito with a bunch of shell companies and all this. Because, you know, business is kind of like war, and you have to be secretive and sneaky. Well, there's been rumors that the Saudi Arabian crown prince is wanting to buy Manchester United. He's, of course, denied it, but that's what he would do if he was wanting to buy it. So we don't know where all this stuff is coming from. This could be a grassroots effort, or it could be a, I don't know what you call it, a propaganda effort by Saudi Arabia Crown Prince. We don't know. But anyhow, a lot of the Glazers Out people who have hashtagged this are starting to retweet Thomas Bassinger's article in the Tampa Bay Times about the Glazers. They feel like they have an ally in Thomas Bassinger. They're against the Glazers, and they have an ally in Thomas Bassinger. That'll tell you something. And it's just ridiculous that anybody, especially somebody in the Buccaneers media, would attack Mike Allstott and say that he was not good, that he got too much credit. I mean, the guy was the is the leading non-kicker scorer for the Buccaneers. He had 71 touchdowns. I mean, the closest to him is James Wilder from 1981 with 46. Wow. Yeah, Pewter Report took real exception to his comments, too. <laughs> Which I give Pewter Report a lot of credit for that, too. And they jumped in there and basically said, hey, hey, maybe what they call him, a stat nerd? Yeah, stat nerd, which I disagree with Peter Report. A lot of times when they, how they handle the end of a coach's tenure, I feel like they're quick to jump on the fire, the coach. Yes. But I feel like all the media outlets are like that because we're usually the last of the Mohicans. Always. With that, we're like, no, don't fire them. We never want anybody fired. No, don't believe in it. But I did appreciate that, and I've actually really enjoyed the Pewter Report these last few months. But then PewterCast also got into it, too, which I was glad to see that also. And then some other organizations jumped in on it, and everybody was fighting with each other. I'm surprised you didn't jump in on it. Oh, I wanted to. I really, really did. Unfortunately, I just don't have time to be on Twitter all that much. Yeah. And those things usually require quite a bit of... Effort. If you just had the day to devote to it. Yeah, to sit here and reply to people and respond and all that mess. Yes, I also noticed in the Buccaneers subreddit on Reddit that this whole Glazers Out thing is being brought up. There's been a couple of supposed UK people that have come in asking what Buccaneer fans thought of the Glazers and all that. To me, it's just weird that all this is happening all at the same time. Not much of a conspiracy theorist. We've talked about this quite a bit, our conspiracy theories. It just seems strange to me. It looks more like a coordinated attack to me than it does grassroots effort. 
like corporate, a corporate coup. Could be. I, I've never had an issue with the Glaziers. No, I remember when everybody was complaining about them during the Raheem Morris era because they weren't spending enough money. You can't say that about them now. I mean, good grief. They've spent a ton of money on this Yeah, game. they spent money on the stadium upgrades. Yeah, the stadium upgrades are nice. I've never felt that way about the Glazers. I've never felt like they don't care. Yeah. Now, you could say they're in it for the money. That doesn't bother me. I mean, they know. Everybody that owns a sports team knows that you make more money if you win. Yeah. I mean, it is in the owner's best interest to have a winning franchise for several reasons. I mean, you make money when you win, but then... If they ever decided to sell, mm-hmm. you're going to make more money from a winning franchise. Right. Yeah, I've never had a problem with the Glazers either. And if I did, I probably wouldn't say anything. Until <laughs> <laughs> they're gone. It's, yeah, till the day they're gone. Then I'm like, those. Mm. Well, I don't understand why you would blame the owners. I don't know. I don't really blame the coaches either ever. <laughs> it se- yeah, right. it seems like it's, it's a culture problem. Throughout the world that I've seen, but definitely in America, we're more about blame than we are fixing problems. Yeah. We, we much prefer to blame people for stuff than actually fix the dang problem. Yeah. yeah we you want to point fingers. Yeah. It's easier than problem solving. It is. It is. Because you can fail at problem solving, but you can't fail at blaming somebody. It's an easy way out, if you ask me. You're doing a expose on the Glazers. Is that correct? Not an expose. Profiles. Profiles. Yeah. Okay. You know, we talked about it last, or a couple nights ago, not on the podcast, but just hanging out, and I realized I didn't know anything about the Glazers at all. Like, are they Tampa natives? Do they live in Tampa? How long have they been here? All that. So I'm going to do a little bit of research, and we'll do some profiles on the Glazers. Meet your owners. How much have you got? Or governors, if you're in the NBA. Governor. 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 That's ridiculous. How much have you gotten done on the Glazers? I read an article. (laughs) (laughs) You were texting me the other day all kinds of stuff. I thought you were pretty heavy. I did. It was an in-depth article. (laughs) (laughs) So you basically copied somebody else's work. Yeah. It's on the Buccaneers website. (laughs) (laughs) Buccaneers.com says they're awesome. I might head over to Wikipedia, too. I don't know. We'll see. I do know that they're heavily involved in the community. I mean, they're big into charity and all that good stuff. I know that they have religious faith. There was nothing about that in that article. So we'll find out more next time. Do you think they're hated as much as the owner of the Rays? Right now, no. (laughs) I'm not even following that message. I don't either, but it's just all over Twitter, all the Tampa Bay people. Yeah, apparently he's talking about splitting... Half the games, half the home games in Montreal and half of them in uh, Tampa, which is not, the stadium's not even in Tampa. Do we have, it's joint custody? Right, yeah, it's going to (laughs) be joint custody. Arrangements. Who's got legal custody? Tampa will get the team every other weekend. (laughs) Holidays? Are they going to share holidays? Who's got to pay child support? Summer (laughs) vacation? It's just going to be a mess. And it hurts the child more than it hurts the... Exactly. Yeah. I'm still catching up on all my other Bucks podcasts because I've been without headphones for like a week. Yeah, she just got new headphones. So they're, they're pretty cool, actually. They've got magnetic strips on them and clips and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. She went all out for $10. $10. Flash, flash sale. sale on Amazon. <laughs> so. And the language can either be English or Chinese. And I'm not really sure what it currently is on. When it no, co- like when I'll say like disconnect or reconnect, I can't tell what language it is. 
<laughs> That's why they were on sale. <laughs> hey, they got good sound. Today was Peyton Barber's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, Peyton. What is he, like 20? 20? Probably. I think he's 25. Like Still a toddler. I know. How much is he making a year? How much is he making this year? I don't know, but isn't this the last year of his rookie contract? Already? Yeah, we're going to have to sign him next year, I Holy think. Holy crap. I think. He's making $2.125 million and it's a one-year contract. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so he'll be a free agent next year. So this is like his prove-it contract. Uh, he's only been with the Buccaneers for two years, right? Or mm-hmm. three years. Yeah, he went undrafted in 2016. I really like Peyton. If you listen back to the podcast, I was really high on Peyton last year, and I was surprised he didn't do better. I'm going to chalk that up a lot to the offensive line, and some of the running schemes were just pure outright crap. But one thing I liked about Peyton Barber, and I had said it since 2016 or 17 when he was here, the guy never lost yardage. He'd always get positive yardage. And I think I said that during a podcast before the season started. And then, like, the first week, he had, like, three runs in a row where he got negative yardage. And I was like, eh, <laughs> can't believe that. Proving you wrong. Changing reality is what they're doing. Right. I don't get proven wrong. Reality gets changed. Like the Rams going undefeated against their division all those times. <laughs> you know what I just remembered? The other night we were talking about the defense, this new defense coming up, mm-hmm. and how you're not going to be able to tell what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Before we do it. So why don't you talk about that a little bit? It's going to be a huge change for Buccaneer fans, especially people that have been watching them for a long time. Because we're so used to basically the Tampa 2 of a 4-3 defense is what we've seen for 30 years. It's never changed. Four down linemen. you got your linebackers behind them. you got your safeties behind them. And then your cornerbacks to the side. This is going to be totally different. I, I guarantee you... Almost every play, Buccaneer fans are going to sit there and go, what the hell is our defense doing? What, what, what is that? Because you can't tell. They're going to have Dominic Sue lined up as a defensive end. They're going to have Vita Vea lined up as a defensive end sometimes. They're going to have no safeties in the backfield sometimes. They're going to have uh, five safeties on the field sometimes. It's just, you're not, and, and you're not going to be able to tell what they're doing. They're, they're going to be standing up sometimes. I mean, the whole team will be standing up. Sometimes they'll be half of them will be with their hand in the dirt. The other half will be turned around looking like they don't know what's going on. But as soon as the ball staffs, boom, people are going to be flying from all different directions. You're going to see guys, cornerbacks coming in from blitzes and linebackers coming up the middle. It's just going to be crazy. It's going to be nothing like we've ever seen. And it's going to throw people for a loop. I wonder if that's why they have Dayon Buchanan listed as a linebacker and a safety. You have those kind of versatile hybrid players yeah. that can play either or. Like you have Carl Nassib, who's mm-hmm. a defensive lineman, but then he can also play in coverage. Yes, he's more designed for a 3-4 defense. You know, He's more of a hybrid linebacker, defensive end type guy. Same with Noah Spence. And the Damakong Sue can play anywhere on the line. Right, and he did that at the Rams last yes, season. Yes, he did. And, and so can Vea. You know, they could, except going back in coverage. I don't think either one of those should go back in coverage. Please don't do that this year. They did that last year. Craziest thing I've ever seen. Now, Vita Vea is fast, especially for his size. And he tries. Oh, yeah, he tries. But he can't jump. He can't <laughs> jump. I mean, he can get a foot off the ground, maybe. So I don't think we're going to see those guys going back in coverage like we did last year. But we're going to see them doing everything else. You know, they'll play nose tackle. They'll play defensive tackle. They'll be defensive end. They'll be standing up. They'll be, you know, hand in the dirt. 
It's just going to be every play is going to look different. You're not going to know what's going on. You might think you will. You'll be like, oh, I recognize this defense. And then as soon as the ball snapped, you go, what are they doing? It's nothing like what I thought. I'm curious to see how it's going to go when you're watching film. Like, is it going to take longer to try to figure out what the heck they're doing? It's going to be much harder to figure out people's assignments, which I don't generally do anyhow because it's, it's almost It's that impossible. whole place and blame thing, too. Yes. <laughs> and Who screwed up? But with a, a 4-3 basic defense that we've been playing for so long, you kind of know what everybody's supposed to do. It's, I mean, you can get a gist of it, but... With this, I don't. I don't. I think it's going to be damn near impossible to try and figure out. But like I said, I don't really try to figure out what people's assignments are. I don't really grade people on whether they fulfilled their assignment or not. I grade them whether they get knocked down or blocked or pushed out of the way. Or what or, happens with the play and where they end up on the play. Yes. Yeah. If you're a defensive tackle and you end up 15 yards off the line of scrimmage and you started off on the right hash mark and you're 20 yards on the left hash mark. I'm going to say I don't know what your assignment was, but I don't think that was it. <laughs> <laughs> you were, he failed. You know, so, yeah, it's going to be a very, very different defense. And I, th- I think people are going to be shocked, but then they're going to like it because it's a lot of pressure. We're going to get, we're going to get tore up over the top, you know, probably multiple times a game. But do you think that's why they put so much into our secondary? Yes. To try to mitigate some of that? Yeah. That speed and length. Yeah. They call it length. We used to call it tall when I was. <laughs> but now it's length. I guess I guess that includes your arms when they say length. Yeah. You got long arms. Because you can be tall and have short arms. Like a T-Rex? Like a T-Rex. <laughs> That's why they're so angry. They can't scratch themselves. So, yeah. And we're going to see a lot more man coverage. A lot, lot more man coverage. Which is good. I love man coverage. A lot of it so that we can blame people. Because <laughs> you know whose fault it is immediately. <laughs> If your guy made the play, it's probably your fault. But yeah, our almost our whole defense, especially our front seven, are extremely hybrid players. You know, Dayon Buchanan, he's extremely a hybrid. Uh, Shaquille Barrett, hybrid. Nassib, hybrid. Noah Spence, hybrid. Dominic Sue, hybrid. Vita Vea, hybrid. Levante David, meh. Oh no, we're gonna see. I think he's gonna be really good at this because he was really good with Shiano, and Shiano basically had him attack the ball. And I think that's what he's going to be doing in this defense, just right. attack the ball. He needs like a lot of leeway to kind of watch the play develop because he's got really good football instincts. Mm-hmm. So he needs to be able to watch what's happening, sniff it out, and then make the play. Yeah, for the past few years, we'll start with the Lovey regime. They just really put Levante in a box. And they were like, here's what you need to do. You know, here's your zone, here's your, you know, and it it caused him to end up standing around too much and having to hesitate before he could act. And I think this defense is going to be much better for his skill set. You know, it's going to be a lot of attack, attack the ball, attack the ball, sniff out the play, go to the ball, which is that's what Levante David is excellent at. Levante David used to be excellent at getting off of blocks. That was my actually my favorite thing about Levante David. You just couldn't block that guy. Ever since he's gotten paid, though, that's kind of fallen off. I don't know if it's the way he's been coached or whatever, but I hope it comes back. Shaquille Barrett, we're going to get at least one big play a game from him. Strip sack, fumble, recovery, interception, something. Every game. <laughs> I haven't watched a game yet with him in it where he didn't get one big play. And I'm talking like big, big play. Does he make mistakes? No. That's one thing about all these guys. Uh, Dale Buchanan, uh, Shaquille Barrett, the guys we've gotten in free agency. They, they don't make mistakes. Well, except for 
Kentrell Bryce. Yes. For safety. Yes. He's not that good in coverage. And he's a safety? Yeah. But then again, I don't know if it was coach. I mean, last year, Green Bay was a mess. Yeah. So I don't know if it was lack of communication or whatever. But a couple times I saw where he specifically messed up. And I can't say it was because of anybody else's fault but him. Other than that, most of these guys just don't make mistakes. Which, good Lord, we need that. If we could just have a whole team, a defense of average players that didn't make mistakes, <laughs> we'd go to the playoffs, no question <laughs> asked. I'm talking to you, Justin Evans. They like him, supposedly. Say so he's smart. He's you a never, smart football You guy. never know with this coaching staff. That's true. They could, they could be doing that psychological warfare, building up confidence or whatever. They'd like Deshaun Jackson, too. Yeah. Right up until they shipped him off. Can't blame him there. No. No, it was a very, very smart move. I'm excited to see our secondary. Uh, you heard, I've been hearing a lot of good stuff about him, especially Bunting and what's that other guy's name? Mike? Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards. Hearing a lot of good stuff about Scotty Miller, too. Sounds like we might have a really good draft class. When was our last really good draft class where most of the guys are still playing on the team? Sounds like a good follow-up. It wasn't too long ago. Uh, last year, we, we had Vita Vey, Ronald Jones, MJ Stewart, Carlton Davis, Alex Kappa, Jordan Whitehead are still on the team. Year before that, O.J. Howard, Justin Evans, Chris Godwin, Kendall Beckwith. Oh, man, what are this? That just hurts me. So we've got three players from our 2017 draft are still on the team and starters. 2016, we had Vernon Hargreaves, Noah Spence, Robert Ogoyo, boo. Ryan Smith, Caleb Beninock, Devontae Bond, Danny Vitale. Man, probably the last fullback we'll ever have. 2015, James Winston, Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Quan Alexander, and Kenny Bell. Remember Kenny Bell? He's, yeah. not, he's not even in the league anymore. I think I he's coaching high school somewhere. He didn't last, man. Remember how they talked about him during training camp? Oh, blazing fast. And oh, yeah. They loved him. Lovey yeah, loved him. I was so excited about him. And then just stank it up. He was doing kick returns, fumbled a couple of them. And then when he got an opportunity to be a wide receiver, he just didn't do anything. It was like he was scared to catch the ball, scared to get hit, it looked like. Those are some big guys coming at you. Yeah. 2014, Mike Evans is the only one wow. left, but that's worth it. <laughs> that was the same year Austin Safari and Jenkins and Charles Sims. Where is he at? Charles Sims. Nowhere. He just disappeared, didn't he? Never could understand what they saw in him. I mean, he was good at catching, pat, catching the ball, but Kevin Panfield was that draft class, too. Oh, he was horrible. William Golston's the only one left from the 2013 draft class. He was the fourth round, 126th pick. Wow. Now, Mike James. Oh, my gosh. I loved him. Remember he broke yeah. his leg? Oh, yeah. Oh, that was, that was ugly, that too. That was an ugly one, yeah. Levante David is from the 2012 draft class, but six of the players drafted in that draft class 2012 by us are still in the league. Mark Barron, Doug Martin, Najee Good, and Keith Tandy. I never understood why we got rid of Keith Tandy. So, you know, to be honest with you, we, we got some good draft classes. I mean, people want to talk about Jason Light, but I'm looking at, you know, we, I mean, we still, most of these guys are still on our team. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, considering <laughs> we've gone 5 and 11, but Ali Marpet, Jameis Winston, Noah Spence, I really want to see him do something this year. This is so many, this year is the make or break for so many people on our team. Jameis Winston, Noah Spence. I would put Fonte David, Peyton Barber in there. Oh, yeah, if if he doesn't do well here, he's out. Yeah. Cameron Bray. Didn't we just sign him to a contract? Did we? I think so. I think he's under contract. I mean, if this year doesn't, if we don't have a winning record, I mean, we might could possibly go. I think eight and eight. 
would be we could we could go seven and nine if they're really good games and we show a lot of improvement on defense. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Maybe. Well, BA's not going anywhere after this year. I don't know, man. I tell you, if if the team collapses and we don't re-sign Jameis Winston and we do a rebuild, because we're gonna have to do a rebuild if crap doesn't work out this year, I don't know if he's gonna want to do it. I really think this is a make or break for everybody on the team. Well, the only people I think that are safe would be Ali Marpet, Mike Evans. Vita. Vita, if he stays healthy and has a decent year. Devin White. Yeah, only because of his high draft status. <laughs> like, I just don't think That's that... It. Those are the only people I think that are safe on this team if they don't perform well this year. That's a lot of people. Well, what I was getting at is that I don't think Bruce Arians is going to be fired at the end of the season. Oh, no. No, he won't be fired. Unless they get like 1 in 15. It's not going to happen. No, I don't think it's going to happen either, but this is football. Any given Sunday, <laughs> you never know. I mean, it, Bruce Arians, what if he comes out the first game drunk as a skunk, his shirt off, <laughs> running around on the field, smacking people? You never know. Anything could happen. It's a possibility. It just makes me think of um, Chris Farley, some stuff he would do. I live in a van <laughs> down by the river. He goes full Chris Farley. That might be it. Hey, look, we've had MRSA. We've had quarterbacks doing coke. Running we've backs. Had running backs on drugs. We've had tight ends bringing sex dolls on <laughs> airplanes and watching porn. I don't know how much worse it could get. We've had coaches totally snuff out a team's drive by telling them not to cuss before they go out on the field. We've had our whole offensive line fired. That's just crazy. That's one of the craziest things I've ever seen in football. And just said it wasn't, it was just like a blip. I was in full panic mode. Uh, we've had defensive coordinator just totally phone it in. I mean, I think he literally phoned it in from the booth. We've had an offensive coordinator not even show up. Lovey Smith's offensive coordinator that he hired that pieced out on us before training camp. Oh, I don't remember that one. You got all of Jameis Winston's scandals. You've got Austin Safarian Jenkins showing up to training camp drunk. The Deshaun Jackson Jackson situation, whatever that was. Yeah, the, the Joe Bucks fans better let us know what that was one day. Yeah, so I, you know, I'm not real confident to say that the Buccaneers can't screw this up, <laughs> but I am confident that we're going to have a playoff team this year. Like I said, Vegas had the Arizona Cardinals. Five games to win when Bruce Arians took over coaching there. And they went on and had a, I think it was 10 and 6 season. So he beat Vegas odds by double. They're giving us six and a half games this year so far. Do the same math. That's 13 games. We're going 13 to 3, baby. (laughs) (laughs) I think we could. Oh, I think we could too. You know, I was looking at our schedule and, and we talked about this on the podcast too. We went through each team and all that. I was looking at the San Francisco 49ers, been doing some research on them ever since I started talking about how Quan Alexander coming in our stadium and beating us up could really be bad. Uh, they've got a really good team. Like personnel wise. Well, one, John Lynch is a general manager and anything John Lynch does is gold to me, even though he is an enemy now. I still got respect for the dude. I'm going to say that those guys are going to know how to tackle, but they've got a lot of good free agents on defense. they got their uh, Garoppolo's back, their quarterback. They've got Jeff Kittle, probably one of the best tight ends in the league. Not as good as OJ, though. Thank you. 
And like I said, they got a pretty monstrous defense going on. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see. And oh, and they got a nice offensive line, too. Forgot about that. We didn't see that last year. No, we didn't. No, we didn't. But it kind of made me hesitate. I was like, because I, we were talking about it. I was like, oh, that's going to be an easy win. Now I'm like, ooh, that might be one of the harder games, actually. That was kind of like the Giants last year. I was sure we were going to win that one. We should have like, won that no one. Like, no question. That one in the Dallas game, we should have won both of those. Dallas, yeah. Man, don't even get me started. If we would have just had an average defense, even a little below average defense, we probably would have went to the playoffs last year. Coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. BA is going to turn it around. He better. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we're going to make like a tree and leave. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually trying to say, we're going to make like a tree and get out of here. That's from the Back to the Future. Like one of my favorite lines in a movie. It just cracked me up. Biff. It's before my time. Biff, the big dummy. Like, won't you make like a tree and get out of here? Everybody's like, what? They also did that in Boondock Saints. It's like this bartender that has a stutter. It's this old guy. But he says, make like a tree and fuck off. I like that one too. Oh, okay. (laughs) Here we go. That's for all the kids out there. If you want to get in touch with us, you can reach me at Molly Bay at BuccaneersObserver.com. Ralph can be reached at Ralph at BuccaneersObserver.com. We're on Twitter at Bucks underscore Observer. We're also on Facebook and the YouTubes. Just go search for us. And we got a website, BuccaneersObserver.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss an episode. Until next time, go Go Bucks. Bucks! that because I'm not as enthusiastic as you want me to be. You have been really laying with your Go Bucks lately. I thought I'd give it a little oomph. Job well done. Yeah. Go Bucks. <laughs>